guys, I'm Tash. And I'm Andy. And you're listening to Bewildered. The podcast where we share stories about the weird, wonderful, and often downright perplexing of the animal kingdom. This is a project that was born out of some of the weird encounters Andy and I have had with animals as ecologists. So we'll be talking about anus-dwelling fish. The sexual misdeeds of insects. Blood-spurting lizards. And about everything in between. You are listening to our very first episode, part one of a seven-part series. So welcome, and let's get started, shall we? The title of this episode is What Are You Doing Here? So this episode was inspired by something that actually happened to me. This was when I was an undergrad at university. Now, I went to a university in Wollongong. It's a town on the south coast of Australia. The campus was really beautiful and had a lot of beautiful ponds and streams. The ponds had great grassy lawns around them. One was even called the Duck Pond Lawn, where you could sit in the sun and the ducks would harass you for food. That sounds delightful, Andy. (laughs) Anyway, so I lived on campus and one early morning when I was walking down the hill... Uh, it was a rather large grassy area and I saw something slithering. So, of course, I went to check it out. Smart. See, that's how natural selection works, Andy. Good yeah, one. It's a very smart thing to do in Australia. Yes, I know, but it turns out it wasn't a snake. It was, in fact, an ugly, fat, slimy eel. This eel was slithering through the grass really far away from a pond and I'll just kind of discuss it at first. But then I thought, what are you doing here? Oh, I see what you did there. So, what exactly was going on? So, so after doing a little research, I found out that this was a long-finned eel. And they can survive out of water for a while whilst travelling between ponds and streams. They live in the ponds around the university, eating insects, crustaceans, fish, and even ducklings. Wait, did you say ducklings? Yeah, really, ducklings. But as a student, I was constantly harassed by these ducks. I have to say, I was not too upset about this. <laughs> So, I'll quickly show you a video of one sitting on the grass, and we'll have this linked up on Facebook. Okay, you have to press play. I can't. Okay, you watching? Yeah. Here we go. (laughs) Oh, that's so freaky. Look at that tail. (laughs) It's not okay. So, that's it? Just an eel creepily slithering along between ponds. See, I thought that too until I learned what that one eel had been through and what it was about to do. You see, longfin eels are native to the east coast of Australia. They mature in freshwater, but they breed in the ocean. So they undertake an amazing migration. When they mature, the eels make their way to the lowest pond at the University of Wollongong. Uh, From there, they make their way, sometimes by land, to other streams or stormwater drains towards the ocean. Wait, but aren't they freshwater? That's that's right. So they undergo some amazing transformations. They can sense the water getting more salty so they can adapt their lungs to this new water. Uh, their eyes get larger so they can see better in the seawater. They build up fat reserves before they go and their fins get larger so they can handle the harsh seas. Their gut basically disintegrates because they won't need to feed. This is a one-way trip for them. And you'll like this one, Tash. Their anus constricts so they can prevent water loss. Without context, that sounds really bad, but I swear that'll come later. Now, we don't know exactly where they go to spawn, but juvenile longfin eels have been found off the coast of New Caledonia in the Western Pacific. Each female will produce millions of eggs. Of these, only about 1% will survive. This is their reproductive strategy. They put lots of eggs out there in the hopes that a very few will survive. This is something ecologists call an R strategy, right? Yeah, so it basically means lots and lots of young, hopes that a few will survive to maturity. 
Once out of the egg and matured a little, the little eels will travel thousands of kilometres back to Australia, down the east coast Australian current and back up to freshwater streams. Now you have to remember these things are tiny when they do this, less than 20 centimetres long. Going upstream is pretty amazing. In other parts of the east coast of Australia, these eels have been seen negotiating dams 100 metres high. Andy, you are going to give me nightmares of eels climbing over massive dams to come get me. Thank you for that one. Yeah, so they make their way back into the ponds, back to my old university where they can harass ducks and freak out undergrads all over again. And thus the beautiful cycle is closed, right? We'll be back right after this. Like everything else in the 21st century, The Bewildered Podcast is on social media. You'll find us on Facebook, just search Bewildered Podcast, and you can find us on Twitter, at BewilderedCast, all one word. We'll be posting links so you can learn more about the animals we discuss in this episode. The video I just watched and freaked out to a little bit will be up there. Um, we'll also see some photos of us working and links to articles about animals that we think are pretty cool or weird. <laughs> So, like and follow us and tell us your favourite what-are-you-doing-here story. All right, back to the show. Now, Andy, can I tell you about my favourite what-are-you-doing-here animal? Yep, hit me. (laughs) All right, you have to promise, though, no giggling for this one. No giggling. Me, you want no giggling from, from me. Cross your heart, hope to die. Stick a needle in my eye. Now, I want you to imagine that you are a sea cucumber. I'm there. (laughs) This semi-mushy, tubular creature, closely related to a starfish, and you're hanging out on the bottom of the ocean. You're eating sand and you're filtering out all the yummy bits. When you feel something, and it's behind you. Every time you breathe in, you feel this strange, sort of tickling sensation behind you. Odd, right? Very odd. (laughs) Turns out, it's a pearlfish. And this fish is trying, every time you breathe in, to wiggle headfirst inside your anus. Sorry, I should clarify. It's more of a cloaca, like a sort of eating, breathing, pooping hole. I like to call these cloaca in and out holes. But wait, there's a fish swimming up there? Yeah, getting all up in there. Yes, I've got a bit of a fascination with this pearl fish that wriggles up inside the anus of sea cucumbers. The headfirst strategy, I must clarify, is used in about 20% of cases. The other 80% more so do this slow, backwards, arse-first wiggle thing to get up in there. Tail-first wiggle. Once they're inside sea cucumbers' anus, uh, they find themselves great sources of shelter inside the respiratory tree of the sea cucumber. And sometimes, if they're lucky enough, they find a lady friend. And they get jiggy inside the anus of a sea cucumber, using its breathing to expel the babies into the water. Which is totally gross, but actually doesn't, I mean, aside from the loss of dignity from having a fish inside your anus, uh, affect the cucumber. This relationship is called commensal, where the pearlfish benefits, but the sea cucumber isn't affected. There are, though, some parasitic species of pearlfish that, as well as wriggling up inside the poor sea cucumber, also eats parts of it while they're inside, including the gonads, which, you know, is a bit of a bummer. Really? Get out. I went there. I'm so sorry. Luckily for you and I, Andy, we are not sea cucumbers. But, you know, kudos to the pearlfish for finding one hell of an ingenuitive way of surviving. Pretty much any time there's a chance of an organism exploiting an opportunity, it will. Which brings us to an organism that both Tash and I are obsessed with. That's right, Andy. This creature is what scientists call an extremophile. 
or something that can live in some of the harshest conditions imaginable. The one we want to talk about today is capable of surviving radiation a thousand times greater than what would kill an elephant. It can survive temperatures as low as minus 272.8 degrees Celsius. That's nearly absolute zero. And they can also survive temperatures as high as 150 degrees Celsius. It can survive without water for eight years. It can survive pressures 6,000 times higher than our atmosphere. That's six times as great as pressures at the deepest part of the ocean, the Challenger Deep in Mariana Trench. That's 11 kilometres down in the ocean. It can survive being put into acid and even launched into the vacuum of space. Andy, do we have some new overlords that we need to bow down to? Because I just cannot compete with all of that. Nope, these things are only one millimetre in size, with fleshy folds of skin, tiny claws, and most of the 900 species feed on lichen and moss. These are, of course, tardigrades, otherwise known as water bears or moss piglets. Moss piglets. So how can such an adorably named creature that spends most of its time drinking water on moss, how can it survive such extreme conditions? Well, they get into a state of suspended animation where they dry up into what is known as a ton state. In this state, their metabolism slows to 0.01% of their normal metabolic rate. They can stay like this for decades until they come back into contact with water. And then they just come back to life and keep on trucking. So you never really have to ask a tardigrave, what are you doing here? Because they can just, well, be anywhere. Like the bottom of the ocean. The top of Mount Everest. The International Space Station. The acid of a volcano. The rings of Saturn? Maybe, maybe. Jury's out on that one. Jury is out on that one. The Bewildered Podcast is co-written and produced by Andy and myself, Tash. If you'd like to know more about any of the topics we've discussed in this episode, please follow us on Twitter and Facebook where you can find out much, much more. Don't forget to follow us on SoundCloud or subscribe to us on your podcasting app of choice. Also, please leave us a rating because it really helps other people find us. Our music is by Poddington Bear, and thank you for listening to the first episode of Bewildered. The next one will be up on August 11th. Can't wait. I'll be there. Hey, Tash, what are you doing? Mm, I'm mostly reading about anuses. (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) Uh, Don't tell my mother that I said that. (laughs)